This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. What's the best way to reduce? Eat plenty or starve yourself? 30 pounds in just 18 weeks, Jenny Craig totally worked. I love to eat, but overeating made it impossible to lose weight. That's my body work. wants bread, and I'm going to give my body what it wants. Oh my <laughs> so I Naturally. Medical studies prove that overeating is the number one reason for weight gain. If you eat a weight, you'll sleep in that room, sleep in that room, and bring your weight Welcome to Fat Camp. A podcast that throws a comedy eye over our societal obsession of diets. Now, a little disclaimer, we are not health experts, but we are fad diet connoisseurs. I'm your host, comedian Grace Mulvey. And I'm your co-host, Connor Dowling. Welcome to Fad Camp. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Fad Camp. Connor, how are you getting on? I'm getting on well, Grace. How are you getting on yourself? I'm good, although the information of this episode kind of depressed me when really? researching. <laughs> Not depressed me. I think maybe anger is the sure. word I'd yeah. use. But uh, it again is a topic. I think I feel like I say this all the time. It was a topic I've been putting off for many, <laughs> many a time. Because sometimes some of these like, we're so used to some of these terms or diets or whatever oh, sure. in our society that coming across trying to like research I was like oh this is just such a big topic but I actually don't know if I can handle it it ended up not being as bad okay. actually <laughs> but the topic of course I'm talking about is the BMI oh baby the BIMI absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and it has it's just part of our conversation and I noticed in the last episode that I researched it was coming up a lot and it just becomes part of the kind of common language. Well, know? it's the way we measure people's fat. It's the way we measure if you are obese, thin, underweight, overweight, whatever term you want to use. It's the way we measure in the Western society and pretty much globally how, whether people are overweight or like the term that people will throw at your body, even listening at home, you're, you're going to be thrown a term based on this metric. And yet, do we ask ourselves, this, where does this metric come from? Who created this well, metric and why? Because the way we hear about it and the way we just so widely accept it, I would assume that it's some almost innate medical term that it just has to exist. Well, Connor, what would you like? Do you think, would you hope that it'd be something that's so well researched and so backed? By science and the medical community that we are like, of course, like no one questions that this term is the right thing. This, this metric is the right thing to be measuring humans' weight with. I would hope so, because so many things are determined by what sort of category you fall yeah. into as a in your BMI. And let's face it, like if you're someone who grew up in one of the lower uh, numbered BMI categories, yeah. I don't know all the terms, but like, let's say you were like uh, optimal weight or thin. Optimal prime, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you pro- it's probably not something that you think about very much, but if you're someone who has, you know, had a background with yo-yo dieting or struggle with their weight, uh, you have thought about, oh, I'm in this class of BMI. I am overweight. Oh, listen, the, B- the BMI chart that. in the doctor's office used totally. to send a chill down my fat spine. <laughs> by my uh, BOB spine, apparently. Um, what, first question to you, yeah. Connor, first question. What um, is my BMI? Grace, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> is it basic bitch? Thought, yeah, um, thought this was a safe space. It definitely is, and I'm attacking you today. Yeah. What does BMI stand for? Basal metabolic, no, bait. Mm. Basil, did you say? Basil, I like basil. Are you joking? Ba- Do you honestly think it's basil? BM or is basal metabolic rate? All right. What's BMI? Body mass index. Thank you. There we go. Okay. <laughs> I thought basil was in like just the herb. <laughs> maybe I'm. Maybe How much basil do you have in your body right now? Exactly. That's what we want. That's what we want the index for. That's what we base your weight off. How much basil have you had this week? Not enough. <laughs> Not no, enough. I, I'm, I'm at un- a deficit. That's why you're in the underweight category. Yeah. You don't have enough basil. <laughs> to be honest with you, that makes as much sense as the body mass index. So yes, um, body mass index, also known as BMI, um, the modern term um, that has come for the ratio of the human body weight to squared height. Okay. Was coined in a published paper in July 1972 wow, by Ansel Keys and others. In this paper, Keys argued that what he termed the BMI 
was, and I quote, if not fully satisfactory, at least as good as any other relative weight index as an indicator of relative obesity. Now, I know it's kind of sounds whatever, like kind of a throwaway comment. This, but this actual, the, the reason the BMI kind of became coined in 1972 was based off the fact that like Western societies were becoming more um, prosperous. And of course, then, you know, you have more prosperous and maybe less movement. You know, people's weight might have been going up. And so they were like, we need a way of judging this and making people feel better. Mm-hmm. Ah, pronto. But it actually is based off where it comes from, isn't from 1972. It's based off um, <laughs> a man called, I, I'm going to butcher this name. Elon uh, Musk. Elon Musk. That son of a bitch. How Strikes does he do it? Um, Adolphe Quetlet. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm I'm like, there's definitely, he, he's Belgian. There's definitely, if it, we have a Belgian listener, they're like, you butchered yeah, that name. Destroy that. I um, can tell, I can tell, but I don't know what the correction is. So I'm just, I'm not even Yeah, you can't even make fun of me yeah, for exactly. reading like, that up because I did it so bad. I know it's wrong, but I don't know why it's right. But so basically he came, he essentially came up with the BMI, but without ever terming it as a phrase, um, about, invented nearly 200 years ago. Adolphe oh. Quetlet, I'm just going to call him Adolphe from now on was an academic, right? But what kind of academic do you think Adolphe was? He was a mathlete. He was. <laughs> well, no, he wasn't, was he? Ma- mathematician. He was a mathlete. That's like, I don't know, it's like one of those things that they An happen. athlete that does math. They in, run while I, they it's do like math in high school. It's like a spelling bee, but for math. Yes, Something like yes, that, yes. maybe, yeah. So he uh, studied astro- astronomy, mathematics, statistics, and sociology. Right, okay. But considering the BMI is now used... In the medical community, yes. mad to think the man didn't study medicine. That's crazy. Yeah. So not an academic, but yeah. not a medical academic. Wow. Um, he wasn't a physician. Uh, he was like probably like weighing cars and shit like that, or like you know, or not. This too, is a fat this, car. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like weighing engine parts and shit, like weighing horses and shit. He's like, yeah, yeah. The man this just, isn't meant for the humans. Man just wanted. <laughs> I just wanted to call anything fat. Yeah. Um, he was best known for his sociological work aimed at identifying characteristics of le humain mené, the average man. Oh. Um, whom I'm an average man. Quetlet, who Adolphe represented as a social ideal. So this is something that, I don't know if you've picked up on yet. Basically, he wanted a way of measuring an average man, a social ideal. So, you know, someone like me, the average man, the perfect man. Can you see already um, yeah. someone coming from that approach nearly 200 years ago? I'm going to tell you right now, Adolfi was a, a white man. Um, what? Crazy. What? But like, what? where do you see arising problems already that you would measure something, trying to find the most average man, like the, the perfect person mm. 200 years ago? Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's going to have major class and race uh, implications. Bing, bing, bing. It, you know, there was a lot of, it was early 19th century and um, a, a huge boom time for uh, racist science. <laughs> um, he is credited with co-founding the school of, po- no, once again, pacifist criminology, which um, asserted the dangerousness of the criminal to be the only measure of the extent to which he was punishable. So it kind of, he kind of came up with criminology. Basically, he wanted a way of like societally, from what I gather, and this is like the most bare bottom way of looking at it, a way of like cl- putting people into certain categories and figuring out who was most likely to be a criminal. Do you know, like that wow, kind okay. of way of figuring it out. Right. Um, like you're thinking of like Darwinism. Yeah. You know oh, what to- I mean? That's and the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you're thinking of Adolphe, if he wants to find the average man, he's obviously using white men as yeah. the way of measuring all of this. Wow. So like not a lot of diversity in yeah. the kind of study or, you know, any of that. Um, so listen, he... Like not, I can't, like, you can't obviously use himself as being the creator of this, but he was kind of the inspiration for a lot of maybe stuff that came later when it comes to like studies done on people of color and criminology, or again, like um, in the seventies then when the BMI came, his, his work was used as like, oh, this is a great way of measuring, right? like how we're going to put people into certain categories in society. Um, so yeah, we're going to go from there that that's how the BMI started. Um, Adolphe believed that the, that the mathematical means of a population was its ideal and his desire to prove that it resulted in the invention of the BMI. So Adolphe derived the formula based solely on the size and measurement of French and Scottish participants. Okay. 
That is, the index was derived exclusively by and for West, white Western Europeans and male ones at that. By the turn of the century, um, Adolphe's Le Homme Mayen, or the average man, would be used as a measurement of fitness um, to parent, uh, yeah, like as in like to be a parent, um, and as a science justification for eugenics. Eugenics um, is this, if you do not know, um, is a systemic sterilization of disabled people, autistic people, oh, immigrants, poor people, and people of color. So his work was kind of like, not saying that he did all this stuff, but like the way he kind of thought of how to group right. people and how, how we would judge people in society or categorize them was used then for much more oh worrying God. stuff down the line. That's crazy. So this was being like, you know, I can't believe that we're still using this yeah. from this time period. And it's mm. just so, it, it reminds me in a much less, like what, what's much um, less sort of sinister is the 10,000 steps thing. How 10,000 steps has been adopted by the health industry and yes. even doctors yeah. will tell yeah. you, you got to get your 10,000 steps, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and we know from our earlier episode on it that it was a marketing tool for a, a, a step counter pedometer. And can I just say, even though I still have like a Garmin watch, uh, this isn't an ad, we don't get paid by them, but they should send me another free one. Hell yeah. Um, I've mentioned it a number of times, but I still go try and aim Same. for 10,000 steps, still knowing that it's totally. utterly made up. Oh, like, well, there's that sense of like, if you hit 10,000 steps, you go, oh, jeez, I hit my 10,000 steps, fair play to me. You know what I mean? Even though you know that it is like made up and that it doesn't equate to, you know, like health fit or fitness goals yeah. in particular. Um, but the fact that we are still using this BMI from 200 years ago, from this very fucking classist, ableist, racist society, yeah. or at least this. Or just like the fact that they use, if you're going to, if you're going to think like a researcher or academic, the fact that they use like a very small part of society as a way of judging yeah. an entire society yeah. is utterly nuts. <laughs> now, Adolfo's thinking was that you could take thousands of measurements, compare them and find the ideal weight, oh. the average man. That's what I mean. Like, he wanted okay. the ideal person. Um, through calculating these samples, he found that weight typically increases in relation to the square height of a person. Okay. Sure. Um, which also which, then, of course, is quite problematic because obviously then maybe as people get taller, you might be calling them fatter, if you know what I mean. Like if you're going right. by the square height of someone. Anyway, there were obviously big limitations to uh, Adolfi's experiment. One for all was that he used white um, European men. Um, and the experiments also had nothing to do with measuring individual health. Mm -hmm. He yeah, just was like, this big. is the ideal weight by going yeah. by the averages of measuring thousands of people. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So that's what I mean. It's an wow. like, obviously I don't, I, it's not that he kind of thought, well, this is how we'll measure people's health. Yeah. He just was like, what's the ideal weight? based on all these white men and their height. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know what his end goal was, yeah. but I doubt it was to be used in the way that it is now. Well, that's me put, giving him much more the benefit of the doubt. But then, of course, as I said, it was American psychologist Ansel Keys in the 1970s and a group of his colleagues that promoted Adolphe's index as the best available way to quickly screen for obesity mm -hmm. and came up with the BMI. Um. Again, in 1970s, though, Keyes' study didn't account for all body types. It measured only 7,426 healthy men from 12 sample groups. Um, these included American students um, and professionals, Italian railway workers, men from the East and West Finland, Japanese farmers and fishermen, and Bantu men from South Africa. Oh. Which is just very interesting to know. But basically, as you said again, even the 1970s study where BMI then became popularized and used then to quickly, as they say, identify obesity, which is what they wanted, um, was based off a very, just only men. Like when you think about it, just men as well, like that you're using this on women. That's crazy. But it's only men. It just makes me so mental. But then also totally. of, of the men, a very small amount yeah. of men. It's um, not, it doesn't do any justice to anybody. I know, it's mental. And like, in all fairness, you know, the um, other professors have come out um and said, like, a lot of people do uh, in the medical community know that the BMI is the like is not in any way a bulletproof system or something that we probably like we should be moving on from. And um, one professor explained that during Adelphi's time, like 200 years ago, there were no calculators, computers or electronic devices, which is probably why he opted for such a simple system in order to, like, identify what the optimal weight is or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And. Um, but the fact that we're still using this very flawed 
formula when we do have all these devices that we could use. I I think the argument actually for the BMI is at the moment, it's a great way of maybe showing an indication of where a population's weight is at, but not individual people. Do you know what I mean? Because like you can take and go like, particularly with like tall people, like the way weight is distributed on you. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, or or your shape. It it doesn't necessarily, you could be calling taller people fatter by just because like they're taller that they have more weight on their entire Mm -hmm. body. But like, it's more about giving an indication of where a population is going. That like, you could go like, okay, yeah, as a population, we've gotten heavier or like maybe we've gotten taller. And so then there's more weight on us, whatever it is, or the distribution of weight. But like individually, it doesn't make sense. And that's why as when we go individually to a doctor's office, it kind of doesn't make sense that our BMI is being used against us or for insurance yes. reasons. Yeah. Because it has nothing to do with an indication to do with our health. Do you uh, know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, no, I'm just kind of processing it as you're talking because, yeah, it's like you could have two people with the same height and height and same weight yeah. could have the same, would have the same BMI, right? Yeah. But both could would have a totally different medical history. Totally different medical history. And think about it again. You could have two people, same height, same weight, and one of them could be a professional athlete. Totally. So you would look at that person and go like, wait, you're coming in on the BMI as like overweight, mm-hmm. but like you run in the Olympics. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what I mean. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. And also then like you have people who are active, but just happen to have higher BMIs. And also, yeah. as, again, the distribution of weight. So some people might have like women at different times of their lives have more fat on their hips mm-hmm. that might then go into their stomach. That might be an indication of something else. That's what they mean. Like they're like, it just on an individual basis it makes no sense to use someone's BMI against them. So then the categories of the BMI, um, are you kind of aware of what the categories are number wise or anything like that? I think so. Yeah. Like, I mean, I have a vague idea of it. I probably, it's probably one of those things that I only really think of like where I am on it really based yeah. on kind of what I've yeah. had, what the, you know, various measurements yeah. I've had over the years. But I do know there's like, there's like overweight is one for sure. There's obese. And then I think after obese, it's like morbidly obese or like, I'm pretty sure there's morbid yeah. obese is on there in some way. Yeah. Uh, I probably don't know what it's, what the categories are like. Morbidly under, obese is so intense. It, it is. It's like, a what are you like, term. I'm dying now. Like it's you're very, dead already. Like, I, 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 I kind of shudder to even say that term. Like I think it's I, I, These are the harsh, harsh terms harsh are term. so harsh. Yeah. Yeah, so this is now a very generalized one, but say below 18.5 is underweight, 18.5 to 24.9 is quote unquote normal. Right. 25 to 29.9 is overweight and 30 and over is obese. So they don't mention morbidly obese in this, but I right. have seen it yes, on. I have um, seen it, yeah. Also like there's something about being shown, the color scheme they use I know. on the BMI chart. It's like this, like the underweight one is like sort of like green maybe. Right. And then it goes into like a yellow. And then by the time it's you get to morbidly red. obese, it's like red and you're like. Yeah, danger. <laughs> your blood will run in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like they should have a skull and crossbones. But, like, <laughs> totally. like, but every time they go down, you're like, oh, I'm I'm near the sex like it's so shitty or if if you've ever been in the obese category which it's easy enough to be in that category you will find yourself yearning to be in the overweight category yeah yeah (laughs) you know what i mean it's so true it's so true um so uh the world health organization regards an adult's bmi of less than 18.5 as underweight and possibly an indication of malnutrition or an eating disorder or other problems while BMI of 25 or more is considered overweight um, and as I said, 30 is considered obese. But Connor, do you think, this question, do you think that all countries' um, BMI numbers are the same? Like as in like the categories are the same oh, within the same it's numbers? It's like fucking ever shifting goalposts. Is that like? The, cha- the differences between countries is so funny. So basically, essentially, if you cross a country line, if you're walking <laughs> through Europe, in one country, you could be considered overweight. In the next country, you could be considered obese. Yeah. Literally, it's a decimal point. Oh okay. Absolutely mental. So there are like, just there, basically, there's, the numbers vary uh, from time to time, country to country. Um, making actually global survey is very difficult for um, anyone who's trying to measure off the BMI oh because obviously if you go from like one country and it's yeah. slightly different you can't get the indication the same um, but people from different populations and descents have different associations with between BMI percentage of body fat and health risks um, 
So <laughs> in the UK, this is something I found interesting. In the UK, the guidance recommends um, that they're, that in order to prevent type 2 diabetes, the BMI should start at 30 for white and 25, 27.5 for black African, African Caribbean and South Asian and Chinese populations. So even by race, they're like, oh, this should be a different indication of the BMI in order to um, like give a kind of like wh- when you should be alarmed or re- or like a warning for uh, type 2 diabetes. Well, I mean, I, I'm absolutely not qualified to speak on the subject, but I do, but I will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but I think, I think that points back to what you're originally saying about yeah. how it's a one size fits all. It's, yeah. it's, it's because, and I think it's because, and I know this from having been diagnosed with a condition in my twenties and being told that this condition is more likely to affect people from these um, cultures and races than it is to affect white Caucasians like that me. is mental. Right? Yeah. That, that does happen. It's certain, yeah. you know, whatever, I don't know why the reason is. I don't know if it's, if it's lifestyle, if it's, um, genetic, whatever it is. So it's what it sounds like they're saying there is it's like, yeah, like if you're a white Caucasian, the, you're might be more, uh, less predisposed at this scale yes. of the BMI yeah. to someone from a different culture, a different racial, um, makeup, uh, who's more predisposed to it at this scale of the, the, the BMI. But that doesn't give the BMI, um, credibility. Yeah. That, pokes holes in it and that says yes it doesn't fucking yeah. Why, work wh- and for also everybody the fact, the fact that like then you're talking about different decimal points in like say like japan and hong kong right places of kind of similar areas of the world mm-hmm. they different have diets. like point point zero five like of like a decimal mm-hmm. between if you're going to be overweight in one country or obese in another and i find that incredible yeah. like i'm like so there's this is made up like yeah. is it like you can't be like your point decimal in one country like they're like skull and crossbones or actually you're doing yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. that makes no magical totally. sense to me. Totally. That's what I mean about the individual basis ba- yes. or a populational mm-hmm. basis. Yeah. I, but I find that interesting in, in, the, in the United Kingdom. That's what they kind of have the recommendation of. In the United States, right, this, this was something that made, was so interesting. In 1998, the U.S. National Institute of Health brought U.S. definitions in line with the World Health Organization. So before they kind of had their own kind of like way of looking or measuring whatever obesity or like their health services. But they were like, no, we're going to go with the World Health Organization's guidelines. Lowering the normal slash overweight cutoff from a BMI of 27.8 to a BMI of 25, right? Okay. So this had the effect of redefining approximately 25 million Americans from healthy to overweight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So overnight, you went from being a healthy person to overweight, <laughs> simply by a statistic. Yeah. And what did that, what do you think that, that like then like triggered in the States? Uh, the so-called obesity epidemic suddenly oh, was all over the media. Yeah. Because overnight, yeah. millions of Americans Became went obese. from healthy to overweight. And suddenly, yeah. next thing you know, it's like, hey, all these fad diets, have you ever tried one? <laughs> Oh, stop. And you know, this just on a sidebar, almost like this whole obesity epidemic thing, like, I feel like we're at a point now where we don't hear that as much anymore. Mm. But in some of the research I did for a recent episode, I was still coming up very recent articles, people talking about the quote unquote obesity epidemic. It's like, guys, come on. Like, I know know, it's so, it's kind of embarrassing at this stage. Like it's weird. Like it really is. I mean, and also like another thing that I find so mental um, is the World Health Organization also recommended lowering the normal slash overweight threshold for Southeast Asian body types to around a BMI of 23 um, and further revisions to emerge from clinical studies of different body types. So this thing is ever changing. That's that's what I find interesting. Because that's basically saying, right, now if you want to, do this BMI thing, right? You put in your weight, you put in your height. Now we need to add in a new box where you put in your race. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, For yeah, it yeah. to actually yeah. make any sense. Yeah. Which, so how are you, How so that means you need to go and you take the average size. So you've already taken the average size of all of the white men. Yeah. Now you need to go to every different, basically, country and nationality and like take the average sizes for it to actually make sense. Yeah. Or to be closer to making sense. Exactly. You have to go to different, and also like, um, depending on, uh, there was a, something brought up about the Mediterranean diet where like, some people might have been heavier on the Mediterranean type, but healthier. Oh, totally. So like, yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. a weird thing where it's like, also you're going from culture to culture where people have very different eating habits mm-hmm. and then yes. still trying to bring this very Western way of uh, measuring health, our weight. Totally. And I just find, I just find it mad that they were like, oh, but then in this very specific region, even Southeast, mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't even like Northeast, like it was Southeast Asia. They were like, we're going to have to change the BMI here based on new clinical studies. So what the You've been telling people up until now. Like, that's what I mean. It's so mental. And, you know, I think when you really break it down, we're talking about like the work of a mathematician uh, from 200 years ago who uh, tried to apply the very rigid and, you know, uh, maths and science, these are accurate kind of things, um, but they're also very rigid and they don't take into account the gray area of which, you know, uh, come when you're dealing with like an organic uh, thing, yeah. like the human body, yeah. you're basically treating it like a machine, which is something we come up with time and time again, when people are talking about like hacking your body and resetting your yeah. body and talking about your body as if it's a machine that can be so easily yeah. programmed and rewired. But actually uh, we know that that's not the case because every single body is different. And you know, I think this is just like the essence of this, really. But isn't it funny? Because I know I think you're so right where this man and, and like the thing is, like whatever has come out of his studies. And I, I don't know. Like, I can't say that he was. He himself. saved the world. No, but like, I can't save the world. You know, I know this, there is a lot of like race undertones here uh, about like trying to use white men as the epitome of the ideal right, body, as, which is right. what he did. Totally. Like regardless of what he was trying to find the average man and he didn't consider anyone. <laughs> just looked per, in the mirror and the, he's like, everyone pretty much should, looks should, like me. Yeah, kind of should look right? like me. He wants to find the ideal way, but he used white European men. Yeah. That's obviously a very small group. So as a mathematician, it's kind of a failure because he didn't get a big enough yeah. study done. But it's not even that the, we're taking some of the, an idea from 200 years ago where, again, they didn't have calculators, didn't have computers, didn't have like enough data. Mm-hmm. And we're still like, that's still the best way of doing it. Then in the 1970s, they adapted that again. They still didn't use a big enough, um, whatever kind of, uh, sorry, a diverse a bigger enough, computer. A big enough, we did a bigger <laughs> computer. Bigger computer. They, didn't, <laughs> they didn't get enough. <laughs> We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> they didn't get enough. Bigger like, calculator. He's <laughs> <laughs> got a massive oversized calculator. <laughs> But no, they didn't use enough participants or kind of research in that either. And we're still using it. And then we're like, oh, so this is actually a problem because there's different populations and different cultures. But one example I would use of it, like how, say, humans do adapt to where they are in the world and how our bodies change. I don't know if you've ever watched like the documentary Sherpa. No, actually, that sounds wonderful. So it's, about, it's a really, really good documentary. Um, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix at the moment. But it's about like, obviously, the Sherpa community um, who help... Um, Indigenous people who help, like, obviously all the climbers of Mount Everest, okay? Yeah, amazing. And it goes into detail about how, because these people have lived at such a high altitude. Sure. Their um, bodies have adapted and they are able to survive in, like, you know, in much thinner air yeah. than, like, the tourists who arrive totally. and, like, you know, who just kind of arrive there. And <clears throat> anyone who has suffered from any kind of altitude sickness will tell you, like, how much, how yeah. much it hits people. Like, yeah. some people get really, really sick when they try and climb Mount Everest. I'm not even going to go into why people climb Mount Everest. The Sherpas are so adapted to it yeah. because they have like their generational, they've been there for bunches of years. So their bodies have adapted and they're a- able to handle the high altitudes and able to climb up and down so much more. Not even just fitness, but their like breathing abilities and techniques and stuff. They got to go into more detail, obviously, than I am now. But that just shows you like even that example of like how people are so different based on where they're from. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And oh, like, absolutely. so then we're taking something that measures fat in such a stupid way and going like, oh, you're unhealthy based on mm-hmm. something that came from 200 years ago. It makes no sense. That's you know I mean? crazy. I yeah. like that. I think that's such a good way of describing it as well. It's like, and this was, you know, done from, as we know, specific regions of yeah. uh, French and Scot- Scotland. Scottish descendants, yes. Yeah. For, for the original one. Then yeah. obviously like the 1970s one, as I said, they kind of like, they went into, they had a bigger range, but again, just men. 
they went from like, you know, they had different from different places they were, but still not enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not enough at all. Um, also, I wanted to know, it, I didn't know this, but in France, Italy and Spain, legislation has been introduced banning the usage of fashion show models with a BMI below 18. Wow, okay. I know this is a random thing, but it was just came up as like a fact about it that I thought was really yeah, interesting. So they're measuring that? They're measuring that? That they're using the BMI now, all, which also could be seen as, I will say, kind of like someone, someone could have just be a totally. thin person. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, you're not taking into account that, that they're individuality either yeah. like just because it doesn't line up with what's considered so like if someone is overweight we're kind of like you know okay with discriminating with someone based on their bmi because like oh well, they're overweight or they're more yeah, yeah, obese yeah. but it's like no but we're not taking into account the fact that that might be actually like you know um an average kind of like uh stasis for them you know yeah, for their body and some people literally just do have bodies where they're like very thin people exactly and they can't it's do anything the, it's about the it. yeah, yeah they're like oh and they'll, t- they'll tell you like no matter how much i eat or whatever they're like and i think like just a ban like that although like obviously there'll be many people who would like celebrate that because they hopefully it'll stop any kind of like sure anorexia and i'm sure like listen we all know in like the fashion industry there's a huge problem with like mm. like um dieting and all yeah. that sort of stuff but it's the fact that you're using a BMI to measure it is like that, that again, the individual person's health, you don't know that an yes. individual might just show up and yeah. have a BMI lower than 18 Absolutely. and be a totally healthy person. Yeah. This is how it's always been. Double Love is a podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. Join me, Anna Carey. And me, Karen Moynihan. As we revisit one of the maddest series of books ever written or ghostwritten. If you ever read about Elizabeth and Jessica, the perfect blonde Wakefield twins, then you might enjoy listening to us absolutely tearing them to shreds. Affectionately, of course. Of course. And even if you didn't, there's still plenty of drama, kidnapping, stolen boyfriends and school dances to entertain you. Find us on the Headstuff Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the episode. If you want to hear more bonus exclusive content for FadCamp, make sure to log on to Headstuff Plus and for as little as a fiver a month, you can support our show and other shows in the Headstuff Podcast Network and hear exclusive content from FadCamp. That's bonus episodes, photos, videos. It's a really good time. So we hope to see you there. Now back to so, the show. I suppose Connor. Hello. Hello. Um, why are we still using it? I wanted to ask you that, actually. That was going to be my next question. Um, but if I think about it, uh, if I think about it real hard, um, I would say medical laziness. This is at the medical community. I always find doctors and nurses to be the laziest of people. Um, oh you my God, no, you're heroes, heard please. First, no. folks. Grace said it. You can quote her on that. Don't get me cancelled, you guys have been yeah. heroes. Um, yeah. Basically, we have we don't have any other better. We don't have any other better alternatives. We don't have any other better alternatives. We that's exactly that's what I was. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. That was exactly. <laughs> Essentially, in order, like again, individually, health health of a person has yeah. to be done in a way that I think we just don't get to measure in yeah. the same way. But we love we totally. love headlines being like everybody's too fat. Mm-hmm. The fat people are gonna get the, the money and the. <laughs> Insurance companies love it as a way of like stopping people being able to get insured for certain uh, procedures. The medical community needs some, in a way, sort of measurement. And this is actually the best that they can come up with. Well, absolutely. And, you know, like what you got me thinking when you said like, okay, in the original study, very small cross-section of the population was used to determine these uh, parameters, right? Yeah. In the 1972 version, uh, a bigger cross-section of the population to define the parameters. But as you said, still not enough. Still not women. But my question, (laughs) right, right, but my question is, at what point is it enough? I don't think you can ever have, no matter how many different body types or people you bring into it, you're still never going to get a, what this is trying to do is a one size fits all. Mm. Like, like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to sort of, um, speculate on what an alternative could be in terms of how to improve what they have. No, I want you, I want you to well, give me, you know, give me your best. Get, what, what would you do? Here's what I'm thinking. Okay. Well, I think if you got all the women. <laughs> um, <laughs> Imagine you were just like, basically I get someone to stand on a bridge. And yeah. play, like, Let on a me weigh one. all the women. Okay. <laughs> because they will love that. Live on television. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but no, I think it, it comes down to individuality. And I think, I think a smart doctor, if there are any. Hello. As again, we're very anti-doctor <laughs> nurse on this show. <laughs> no, but I think, I think, you know, a sensitive smart doctor will know that all of their patients are all so different and unique based on their medical history and their lifestyle, where they're from. And will use a BMI type of thing as just a very generic tool yeah. to go, mm, yeah, you're probably around this area, but I'm not going to, it's not going to be like gospel. Like, you know, yeah. if your symptoms of whatever you're experiencing clear up and you're still in this quote BMI category, we're not going to send you off on a treadmill. Like, you know, I think yeah. a smart doctor will be like that. I think it's, yeah, like, so they're just using it as a very kind of like broad diagnostic tool, I think is best again, case scenario. Again, again, it can be, as some have pointed out, it can be a great way of viewing um, the maybe uh, weight of a population, but not sure. like, as, as in to be like, okay, this is kind of where our population yeah. is as an, as an average, but not individually. But uh, there have been other alternatives proposed. Okay, Some people okay. have proposed more accurate measurements of body fat, because that's obviously what you're accurate trying to measure. Accurate measurements of body fat, yeah, that, yeah. that was one of the things I was going to suggest. Oh, yeah, as well. yeah, that was, so, yeah, you didn't say it. I, um, I, no, it's, it's just so much grace. It slipped my mind, okay? But anyway, um, as Connor was going to yes, say, yes. What was people I have proposed say? more accurate measures of body fat, like MRI scans, okay? A MRI scans, MRI Very scans. Very expensive, though, I will say. Which? Very expensive. Um, like, I mean, an MRI yeah, scan is something yeah. that like people, like you have to kind of get referred to do. So I don't know if like doing an MRI scan, well, right. like every time you go in, <laughs> oh, we're just going to make sure, see how, yeah. how much of a fatty you are, get a needle <laughs> MRI. Um, or, and I've never heard of this before, underwater weighing. Oh, okay. In which patients are submerged in a tank of water to calculate their body volume, density and body fat. Huh. Because there's fish in the <laughs> tank and they're scientists and the fish yeah. are like... So what they do is the fish come up and they yeah, tell you. They get, the fish come up and give you yeah. a little nibble. <laughs> a little nibble all over your body and they go, I think fat. Yeah, you know, like sure finding fat, Nemo, like that's... The, <laughs> they submerge you in a tank and all the fish let you know how fat you are. <laughs> um, but basically, yeah, they, that's uh, it's a way It's of like my measuring. octopus teacher, but with fat shaming. <laughs> Basically, you go into this tank and then people throw fish at you. <laughs> but <laughs> it's embarrassing, but better than the BMI. Yeah. Still better than Still the BMI. Still better. But because funny enough, uh, one thing I've noticed with research coming up again is that people mention bone density, which I never, because you know, like, oh, there's you always that. fat bones too? You got <laughs> fat bones, bro? No, I was always told I had heavy bones. Oh, jeez. Like the heaviest of bones, one would say. But I, apparently bone density is actually something that like yeah. needs to be measured in order to figure out. Because again, it's all about where the, the, the fat lies in the body. And again, you could... Grace, did you know you have like a skeleton, a, a spooky Halloween skeleton like inside you? Well, it's, it's a few layers it. underneath that fat. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then there's another, some researchers have also um, brought about abdominal obesity. Right? Okay. The term abdominal obesity okay. or uh, belly this, fat. This is something I'm I'm all ears for. Yeah, it's especially problematic for health, uh, yeah. waist circumference or kind of waist to hip ratio has been proposed. So this would be where they measure your waist um, to kind of, because if, and I, again, this is problematic, but it, to see like if uh, they, apparently waist circumference is an indication of like, you know, um, a heart, uh, you know, related yeah. issues and, and mm. things like that. Again, this is also a problem because like in some cultures where some people might have more like pear-shaped, some people hold more belly fat. That's mm -hmm, just this the way they are. So this isn't, again, a yeah. great indicator, but it might be like the waist to hip ratio is how they okay. would uh, measure it. But these, again, are all like, as I said, MRIs are expensive. Underwater weighing is also like... It's dangerous. <laughs> this, this article said is costly and labor-intensive. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Where we getting all and these tanks? waist measurements are... Um, Error prone, and to be honest with you, like, let's be honest, a bit problematic. Like, I don't know who'd be like, yeah, like, everyone's waist needs to be the same. Do you know what I mean? Sure. We've all seen Kira Knightley in the early noughties. That woman had, like, a very slim waist. Like, wow. some people are just blessed with washboard mm. abs, you know? But those are a few of the, like, alternatives that have been proposed. Okay, yeah. Um. Yeah, again, with those alternatives, like, just nothing really standing out as being a one-size-fits-all. Like, yeah. 
I think throwing fish at you in an underwater tank. The, the fishy nibbles. The fishy nibbles underwater, I think, are the best way. No, but it does not. That's nothing. the best idea I've but heard you, here but tonight. But it is true because although we all like criticize the BMI, it's true. I, I cannot think of a way of measuring this on a. Let's figure it out. No, let's figure it no, out. No, right we're going to do it. We're going to figure it out here. Well, kind of, actually, before we go, in, I'm going to go into a few personal accounts of how kind of the BMI has affected people's lives. It's okay. been like uh, personal accounts that I found online. And um, I also, I can put up maybe in the show notes, all the links of kind of where I found these uh, details. Because like with the BMI as well, I wanted to be very kind of fair to it. Because I obviously sure. have had many issues with, with BMI. I, I think it's a bullshit index. But I was like, you know, what? I want to make sure that my information is correct. And that I'm like, so I went to like very prominent um news articles and stuff like that. I did my research yeah. and to make sure, so I'll put it in the show notes, like if you want to find out more about this, but it had personal accounts. Hey, people are affected by the way that we measure BMI. But have you heard of, before we go into that, the obesity paradox? I have not. I'm intrigued. Yeah. So what's interesting, right, about the obesity. It sounds like a sci-fi movie. I know. The obesity paradox. Um, is that, as people kind of have done more research into the quote unquote obesity epidemic, they have found that there are obviously people always focus on the cons of obesity, but there also are pros. Um, in a science article known as the health risk of obesity, better metrics, imperative, trusted source, like I don't know. Um, the authors refer to the pros and cons of obesity as the obesity morality paradox. Um, and it's been contra- controversial because obviously no one ever wants to be like, yeah, maybe it's okay to be a bit fat, whatever. Um, but what they kind of say is that pe- people with a BMI of, of uh, 30 or more, which would be in the obesity category, um, they obviously have, well, not obviously, but like, you know, have been known to have a significantly higher risk of eventually becoming diabetic, developing cancer, cardiovascular diseases, arthritis, yada, 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 right? And it heightens the risk of premature death. Now, this is what, you know, they say. However, a number of studies have demonstrated that some individuals with obesity have a lower cardiovascular risk and an improved metabolic profile with a subset of normal BMI people, quote unquote, having are metabolically unhealthy and have increased um, mortality risk. A team of researchers at the University of Virginia, Charlottesville, um, found that um, there are better post-surgical short-term survival rates among people with obesity than people, patients of normal weight. Wow. Okay. Um, and then patients with a BMI of 23 or less, which would be in like the normal kind of like category, mm-hmm. were more than twice as likely to die within 30 days of surgery than those with a BMI of 35 or more. Holy shnikes. Now that is interesting. And yeah. one thing I always think of, like, I always want to know, this is obviously like, me just like having my own like kind of cultural way of looking at something the way I've been brought up. But like with friends of mine having babies and stuff like that, what I find so funny is they're actually more worried about a baby not eating, a baby being thinner. Sure. People like babies to be fat. And the reason I think is kind of like probably a, probably something to do with like we, uh, the way we as humans think, which is that if a child was ever to get sick, you want more weight on them. Like if, if someone's sick, you want more weight in them so that they, they kind of like last longer or they're like better sure. protected. Yeah. And I think that might be, maybe that's just like m- my own way of thinking, but there is something that, interesting that I thought like, when does that stop that we go like, oh, it's better to have a bit of meat on you. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just like a cultural thing because you're like, you know, like in case you're ever like back in the day, if you got a cold, you know what I mean? Like a cold would kind of eviscerate you. You could die from that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it was better to have a bit of weight to you, protect yourself. If you, know? you, if there's probably something in there around as well, appetite, like if you are sick, uh, fever, cold, influenza, and you lose your appetite, yeah, people will be like, oh fuck, like you're, you're not going to last long without yeah. Yeah. eating. But if you have a bit of extra meat on your bones, so to speak, you know, yeah. you might tap into those reserves, I guess. Like, you're it, not going to waste away, I no, guess. No, but it's true. Like, it was, uh, like, being a good eater. Mm-hmm. And I think still with, like, young men, being a good eater has always oh, been geez, a he loves, he loves a bit of food Yeah, like, get that into you. But with women, it was, like, unfortunately, we live in a society where that's never, like, get that. Yeah. Jeez, a girl needs her, a girl needs the food, like, yeah. a growing girl. That's never said. It's no. always for boys. But I think, like, back in the day, it you know, you're talking, like, even, like, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, even having a, like a good appetite, it was seen as a, a sign of health and, a, and also a sign of prosperity. Totally. You had a bit more weight and you, you had, mm-hmm. you were able to afford the food. Absolutely. And like, let's face it, we've probably talked about this maybe off mic a little bit before, but like, 
our ancestors survived the famine. Yeah, in Ireland, true. Yeah. Uh, they were not. They wouldn't if they were like super thin people with you know uh, yeah. without much extra uh, weight on them. They may have perished a lot yeah. sooner. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like we no, are descendants like, of yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the chubby ones who were like, mm, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually doing all right here. And I was like, we're starving, and they're like. I don't, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, I'll okay. make it through. I'll oh, make yeah. it through. Um, but, you know, two um, kind of uh, doctors in this article that I was reading point out that the true impact of obesity, that they, that's the phrase they use, may not be fully understood because population studies focus on the link between BMI, health and mortality rates without taking into account the unintentional, intentional weight loss or gain that may affect the outcome. So what they're saying is very difficult to actually, and we've heard this before from Christy Harrison in her book, to understand actually how obesity affects populations because we are always yo-yo dieting. Mm, And yo-yo dieting affects our health, impacts our health so much that they can't actually, they don't understand what the impact of obesity is because we never let. Right, okay. We never let fat, obese people, overweight yeah. people, whatever term you want to use, to just be themselves. Just, so we actually it, yeah. can't study fat people because wow. we continue to diet and that affects, impacts our health so much. Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. I just found that interesting with the, with the obesity paradox, the fact that they were like, it was just that it came up and I was like, obviously like some people find it very controversial because again, no one likes to ever say that a person who is overweight or obese might have some sort of health benefit like that. That's unheard of. Yeah. But like the fact that they were like, yeah, there are studies that show that like sometimes, you know, that's what I mean about the individual health versus population. It's very difficult when you're like. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, that's such an interesting way of looking at it. Absolutely. And like, I mean, yeah, you have to wonder, yeah, what would happen if we did sort of like study the obesity and obesity epidemic a little bit more? Well, it, how are we ever going to find, how are researchers, scientists ever actually going to be able to study a fat person? an overweight person mm-hmm. who has never, ever dieted or in any way tried to change their, like, I don't know what I would, what my weight would be like if I hadn't done years of yoga dieting. I don't know. Yeah. Because it was never not mm-hmm. an option. Mm-hmm. Because, and like my metabolic rate, like, you know, if you ever, and please go back and listen to it, the supersize versus, not supersize, sorry. Um, Biggest Loser. Biggest Loser episode. The research, apparently the research in the Biggest Loser episode has been like a God's gift to scientists because they, they're like, to see what happens to people when they lose an extreme amount of weight, their metabolic rates are so slow that one of the contestants who did regain all of his weight, um, if he wanted to maintain weight, he'd have to eat 800 calories less than the average man. And exercise like, yeah. mm, like eight then, hours a yeah. day. Like exactly. literally so eight hours a day. That's what I mean about like the fact that they actually can't study what it is to be an obese person mm-hmm. or a fat person and what the health ramifications are because we will never not have obese or fat people on some sort of diet and therefore messing up their metabolic rate and therefore also having huge impacts on their health. Yeah. Um, okay, now just some personal accounts from that fun fact. Some personal <laughs> accounts um, that I came across. And I found these like just very interesting. Um, there was a, a letter that went viral um, from Atessa Embry. Um, I think she was 14 years old at the time she wrote this letter and it went viral on the Gosh. internet. But basically she said that she's a bigger girl who's active and loves softball. But her BMI score, um, which of course we you know is her weight divided by her height squared, classifies her as obese. When her teacher asked her for her BMI in a recent health quiz, oh. a weird thing for a teacher to be asking um, a 14-year-old. Been there. Um, Tessa responded with an eloquent diatribe about why the calculation is fraught with obvious flaws and why it's harmful to one's body image. This girl. Fucking fair play fair to Fair play to her. Um, just a, quote, a few little bits from her letter that went viral. The BMI is, out, is an outdated way of defining normal weight, underweight, overweight and obesity by taking one person's height and dividing it by their weight. One of the formula's obvious flaws is that there's absolutely no way of discriminating fat and muscle. So let's say there is a fairly athletic woman who maintains a decent diet. She's five feet, six inches, and she weighs 190 pounds, but 80% of her body is muscle. That doesn't matter when, when calculating the BMI. How could someone who stays fit, eats healthy, and has a low metabolism be in danger of heart disease and diabetes? In conclusion, the BMI is an outdated way of determining a person's body health. 
And it's a measurement that should not be used in a school setting where students are already self-conscious and lacking confidence in their unique bodies. Like that, I believe she was in an American school. But wow. Fair fuck. First of all, Perfect what an way. eloquent, eloquent yeah. uh, young woman. But at the same time, who the fuck is asking for a BMI in school? Grace, like... Might as well ask for a fucking bra size while you're at it. I remember our fifth class teacher in school weighing all of us and announcing our weights to the entire class. Grace, this is one of my like core painful uh, diet weight memories. And I remember, Grace, I remember being a child and being worried that I was next being called up and everyone was about to know my my weight. And I remember at the time, and it's so funny to think back, like I remember knowing because we were weighing ourselves at home I remember knowing that I weighed like eight stone and knowing that that was higher than most of the other people in the class. And sure enough, got to the top of class, Connor, this is what you weigh. And now everyone knows it. And it was fucking devastating. And now everyone knows it. It's devastating. And there was also a girl in our class who was quite a small girl, one of my oldest, dearest friends now. Um, And they were also measuring our heights with the fucking meter stick. And this girl in, my, in our class was the height of the meter stick. She was small, you know what I mean? For oh her age. God. And she was fucking mortified as well, you know? But this was a fun classroom oh activity. Oh my God. So it doesn't shock me. It doesn't shock me at all that, because obviously to get your BMI in a classroom, we need to be divulging what our weight and height is. So it's, it's, it's disappointing that it's still happening. I'm glad that this person. Because well, that came out, to... I'm pretty sure that was only a few years ago, maybe mm. 2016. I could be wrong there, but like that wasn't that long yeah. ago that that letter came out. It was, it was I wrong. love the thought of that teacher hearing that letter and being like, right, well, I've been put in my fucking place. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. I can't. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened, Connor. Thank that you, is yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How the fuck did we measure? <sighs> like, I just. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Uh, okay. Um, <coughs> Fuck you, Miss Ward. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you're missing. Um, uh, another um, uh, <laughs> account I got here. That was, was actually weirdly cathartic. Yeah, go on. I'm Fuck delighted. You. I'm fucking delighted. Better than therapy. Yeah, Fuck yeah. you, Miss Ward. <laughs> we should start every episode with like, welcome to Fancap. Fuck you, Miss Ward. <laughs> um, the, another account is from an IKEA read. Um, he used to go in for annual checkups um, with her doctor and she would discuss her restrictive eating patterns with her doctors and kind of her fear that she might have an eating disorder. But because her BMI was in the overweight category, Reed's doctors refused to consider the possibility, possibility sure. that she might be depriving herself of food yeah. and instead counseled her to lose weight. Oh, son of a bitch. It wasn't until two years ago when Reed, a black woman who was 38 at the time, that a therapist diagnosed her with atypical anorexia, mm-hmm. a condition that doesn't present with low body weight. Even then, her insurance wouldn't cover the treatment because of her BMI category. Mm. So yeah. getting a doctor, a medical professional to sign off on me having an eating disorder was impossible, she said. She had to start paying out of pocket $800 a month to get a therapist and dietitian. So basically <sighs> because, like, obviously her BMI is high, she's suffering from atypical mm-hmm. anorexia. Her, because of the BMI being such a restrictive categorizing of the population on an individual basis, her insurance is like, oh, we're not covering you for that because you have a high BMI. So that, that apparently doesn't happen yeah. to someone with a high BMI. They don't get anorexia. Um, there's another uh, woman here, um, a woman from Sacramento, California. Her name's B32. I don't know her second name. Went to see her doctor and she found out that her BMI uh, was the start and end point of the conversation. The doctor used um, my weight as an excuse for everything and didn't look further. The doctors brushed off my comments uh, or my concerns with the excuse of my weight. I had what I'm pretty sure was a false negative COVID test this summer and they kept saying my weight was affecting my asthma, which I didn't even have, uh, which I didn't even have any sort of like extreme asthma beforehand, mm. but they were saying it was that. Um, and even though I had actually recently lost 20 pounds, it was humiliating, defeating and demeaning. It was demoralizing and quite terrifying while I was so sick to be so dismissed because of my BMI. Oh my God. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Like, I mean, I certainly have been to the doctor having lost 20, 30 pounds, like a big weight loss. Mm-hmm. And then being like, 
So what are we going to do about the, the weight? I've weighed you. You are obese. They're like, dude, I just fucking lost 30 pounds, you know, due to diet and yeah, exercise. Yeah. And that can be enough to yeah. knock you off your fucking, you know. Oh, like, like what I find so mad is that, listen, I, I know that like healthcare professionals, they have a lot to deal with. Do not get me wrong. Like, I think they're fantastic. I think you have it out for doctors, guys. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out. I'm Fuck you, Miss Ward. <laughs> but... I find, I think the lack of education when it comes to this is astounding. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because, you know, like many doctors would have been trained before health at every size was ever a movement sure. that had been discussed. Sure, yeah. I'm not excusing it, but a lot of the time they would have went to school and it's very black and white. Big B am I bad? Small B am I good? You know what I mean? Not like, too small though. <laughs> not too small. <laughs> no module for you. But like, you know, like I think that's where they come from and they don't really adapt to it. What I find so interesting, though, I remember, and I've told this story before, but I went to get um, my pill subscription renewed because I'm a whore. No, but you what? know, I went to do it. And I was like, whatever, having the regular sex. Oh, my God. That's hot. That's hot. That's <laughs> <laughs> hot. So I went in um, uh, to my doctor and it was my normal doctor that was there. It was like, a, you know, someone was covering for and uh, went in and like without even fucking talking, I literally went in and I was like, I just want to get my uh, prescription renewed. In On Ireland, you have to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just having so much sex, you need to get it again. Thanks, Bill. And uh, she just, I don't know where it goes. Oh, yeah. Well, I will not give you this if you don't lose weight. Like, you oh, promise me right now that you're you. going to lose weight because you can have blood clots because you have this. She gave me all the reasons I could, which, by the way, could happen anyway um, mm -hmm. with the bill. And I remember sitting there and I was like in my late 20s. And again, I had like, not, I'm not like this isn't about, but I've done a marathon like not so long ago. Like, Chris, if you've done a marathon, yeah, I've done it twice. Nice. Um, <laughs> but I was like, you know, I'm a fit person, yeah, I'm just a bigger person, no questions, no like, what's your lifestyle? She, but like? she didn't even start with just one before I mm -hmm. berate you about your weight, any mm -hmm. eating disorders? Because I would have gone, yeah, two, I've, I've, I've suffered mm -hmm. badly in the yeah. past, didn't ask me at all. I will, I left, and actually, it was like so funny because again, it was like, like you were saying, like, I was like, I've actually like. My weights are probably like a pretty, yeah. probably one of the best places it's ever been. Yeah. And you were like, and she literally was like, I will, uh, if you come back at the same weight again, I won't give you this pill prescription. What the fuck? I remember leaving so. Wait, was her name Miss Ward by any chance? Yeah. Oh my God. She became a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Ward, what are you, what's wrong with you? Why are you trying to hurt us? But I remember leaving so devastated. And I was so, and I, I sent a voice message to some friends and went, and yeah. they were like, do you know the way your mates <laughs> They're ready to go in and fucking right. like Take shiver. Yeah. But they were like, make a report. All this. I just was like, I just was actually, I didn't and I should have. Mm. But I think the reason I didn't is because I think it's so, I was never, I wasn't at a place where I thought I was allowed to defend myself. Totally. I thought like sometimes you go into these spaces and you're just like, well, this person is just, they're right. I'm wrong. And I've always been told I've been wrong and sick. And what I found so interesting is recently this year, or like I got COVID in, in March and um so sick. God, it was awful. It really hit me badly. And um, and I was like, oh, I've never been sick like this. It was for the first time I realized. I was like, I've actually always been a really healthy person. Luckily, thank, mm. you know, thank my start, lucky stars that I have. But the whole, my whole life I've been told I've been sick mm. because I've been fat. And when Fucking I was hell. sick, I was yeah. like, no, this is yeah. sick. And and there are people out there who who suffer like this all the time. I feel for them, who are who are who are thin, who are somewhere fat. But this is what sickness is. Like I'm I'm sick right now. I have never been sick like this before. And yet the whole time I've been told I was. And I was like, that is actually messed up. Because it's a mad thing to think like that. I was like, I've just been told by the medical community this entire time that. Apparently, I'm going to die at any moment. Which, by the way, we all are. Like, she's I don't gonna know. Blow. <laughs> yeah, there she blows. <laughs> Give her another birth control pill and just set her off. <laughs> it's like a whale yeah. where, it comes, where the water comes out at the top. Yeah, the doctors yeah, are that's just how with fat their, people their die. harpoon. <laughs> yeah, no. But like, I oh know. Honestly, like, I mean, like, I mean, I think that's such a powerful observation, and I also think that, like, what you're talking about, you know, it almost goes into another topic. But like, the doctor being discriminative towards yeah. you based on your weight like as someone who gets that kind of treatment by default from doctors yeah, yeah. we're kind of we kind of expected and are used to it by this stage that yeah. 
it doesn't cross her mind to be like, oh, I must report them or I must tell them off because yeah. it's just what we're told. Maybe our thin friends who are defensive of us and who couldn't bear yeah. to think of, you know, us yeah. being treated poorly are like, you have to fucking take that person down or whatever. But we're like, no, that's like pretty much every other doctor visit. Yeah. And, like, and I yeah. say this and I touched on it in another episode recently, like I have a great relationship with my doctor. Yet yeah. when I go in, it's still kind of like, what are we doing about this weight? And yeah. I'm not even, com- I'm coming in for a cold. You know, I have a yeah, cold or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's not, it's not as rampant as it used to be, mm. but like, it is a real problem. Like, you know. And the fact that you're like, oh, I'm friendly with this doctor. Yeah. And, but you know, it was only recently I did have a good doctor experience. I'm going to talk about it because once again, I, I like them. I like the doctors. Sure. Nurses, okay. You know? yeah, Backpedaling now, Grace. <laughs> okay. But I, I went in and I, um, because obviously I know myself so much better now. So yeah. I'm, you know, and I have to register with a new doctor in, in the UK because I've moved. But um, it, I'm almost putting it off because I'm like, oh, what if I have to have this conversation again? And it really, and this is the thing that the problem that happens actually is that people get so turned off going into the doctor that then when they do have serious issues, yeah. they don't want it because they're like, oh, I'm going to have to like fight to get mm-hmm. like treated like a normal person. But with this other doctor I had, um, in Ireland, I went in uh, when I first went in and um, it was like a kind of like I was getting registered in. She's taking all my details and then she goes, um, oh, can you step on, up on the scales? And I said, yeah, I will, but please don't tell me what my weight is because I won't be looking. Yeah. And she was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then after, you know, I was sitting down, we we're just going through everything. And then she was like, oh, and why don't you want to know your weight? And I said, oh, well, um, just to give you a bit of background, like I've had eating disorders before and I went through what I have had. Mm-hmm. I've lost loads of weight and I've gained weight and... I'm actually at a pretty happy stage now and I, you know, I exercise regularly and I'm very happy with how I am. But I just, I know that like by my BMI, you, you, I don't know what my BMI is, but I'm, I know it's not going to be what you, what would be the normal range because I've never well, been in the normal range. Yeah. Because even when I was on, in motivation, mm-hmm. when I basically was like starving myself, I was still in the overweight still range. Still overweight. By BMI standards. Sure. So I was just sat there with her and I was like, it must be my heavy bones, Connor. That's the fucking density of my bones. Now. Um. But I just said that to her. And then she was like, yeah. She kept going, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Her mind was blown. She, her mind was blown. And I said, I, you know, I've suffered from disordered eating in the past yeah. as well. So it really, in order for me to take care of myself, I really don't, I don't, never want to know what my weight is. She couldn't have complimented me more. She was like, I, she literally was like, please keep this healthy mindset. Wow, amazing. Because I see so many women come in here and I wish they could speak with such clarity about this. But she was like, you are perfectly fine. I can tell by, because I've gotten bloods done recently. She's like, your bloods are fine. Mm-hmm. Your cholesterol is fine. And I was like, I knew all this. And then she was like, so just keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, thank you. And it was the most like, but it was the fact that I had to make almost this big fucking speech to be like, so I don't want to know. And you could just, please don't tell me. You know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like, you know, you made a, a serious impression on her and hopefully it's something that she'll get her thinking as well about her yeah. patients as well. Because she's like, I was about to call you a fatty bumbalati. <laughs> and she was like, oh God, I had in my nose that you're a big fat pig. Yeah, and I was that, like, was, I was, that was literally before you started talking, that's what I was going to say. And I was like, when is this fatty going to show up so yeah. I can tell her she's fat? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I want to end it on this note. Um, you know, we touched on this a bit earlier in the episode, but weight standards have long been um, associated or used to perpetuate racism. We know this. Now, me and Connor are in no way qualified to talk yes. about this in any real way. I'm going to speak, for, we actually probably should get someone in at some point to actually talk about this because I do think like I'd love to know more, but it's not, I wouldn't be fair coming from us. But I wanted to read like uh, just a bit from an article that I, that will kind of show you a bit about what, what it is means by that uh, weight standards to perpetuate racism. Um, if you've heard, read of the book, um, Fearing the Black Body, it outlines the history of body standards and the way in which thinness was used to uphold white superiority as recently as the early 20th century. In the book, it's described how thin bodies of Northern and Western Europeans were upheld as the ideal, while often larger bodies of Eastern and Southern Europeans, as well as Africans, were considered signs of, of their inferiority. Yeah. Um, all of this uh, was before we really knew kind of anything um, and we're still obviously very blurry um, about the relationship between well, weight and health. Modern BMI and its categories, underweight, normal, overweight and obese, have, in, have inherited much of that racism. Sorry, this is a quote from the book. Even after all of the work that I've done and the work that I've read about in the creation um, of these weight categories, I've long, wond- long wondered 
who is this even based on? And um, this is from the author's strings. Um, this 18.5 to 20, 25 normal BMI category that they arbitrarily came up with, what is that even about? There's something so strange about that. I feel almost certain that they were not researching people in places like Samoa, where people can be healthier at much heavier weights. There are so many ramifications of trying to create one normative table for the diverse people of the world. The whole thing is really preposterous. Thanks for listening to this episode of FADCAMP. As always, we want to thank our producer, Darren Lee. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Great ratings and reviews really help more people find the show, and it would mean a lot to us. Make sure to share the episodes with friends and family or on your social media. Every listen helps. And we absolutely love hearing from our listeners. So please get in touch with any of your diet stories on fadcamppodcast at gmail.com. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.